This is Dave Gibbons and you are listening to Who Reads the Watchman by the Legion of Dudes. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. Welcome everyone. It is still midnight. Welcome to... A Half Hour Wasted presents The Legion of Dudes, Who Reads the Watchmen, Issue 12, Part 2, The Big Finale. I'm joined, as usual, by the scallywags and cohorts in the Legions of, Legion of Dudes. I'm your host, Russell Latham, and joined with me are my fellow dudes. Guys, introduce yourselves. This is Adam Reed. This is Adam Umack. This is Jim Dietz. This is Ken Morgan. And this is John. Welcome, everyone. So we're going we're gonna to skip with most of the pleasantry we normally do, and we're just going to kind of get to the meat of this uh, episode. We've got a lot to cover, a lot to do. Hopefully a lot of guests will show up um, and, and give us their thoughts on what's been going on. So the biggest news for Part 2 is, of course, our exclusive recorded interview with Mr. Dave Gibbons himself. Um, and our very own Jim Deets, Yoda Jones, um, did a stellar job in um, working out a uh, – the, the interview with him. So I'm going to turn it over to Jim for just a minute so he can kind of give us a little background on um, how this came about and, and how it all, how it all got to be where it is. And then we'll, we'll sit back and everybody can listen to about a 15 or so minute interview with Mr. Dave Gibbons. Jim. Thanks Russ. Uh, you, um, basically I, I found out by uh, reading the website that uh, Dave Gibbons would be appearing at the New York comic con. And I originally reached out to uh, Titan books and their PR department uh, for hoping to get an interview with him while he was at, at Comic-Con. Instead, his uh, press agent, Catherine, who I'd like to thank Catherine at Titan Books for hooking everything up, suggested that we come up with some questions, write them down, and uh, have him answer them on MP3 and send them back to us. So we um, put some posts up in the forums for some people to put up some questions. We brainstormed some questions ourselves. We narrowed it down to about uh, six or seven questions, um, that kind of got to the core of some of the real, um, you know, real issues we've come up with in our analysis of the book. Uh, we sent it off, and we got uh, we got back um, not very much long after, probably about a week later, uh, from Dave Gibbons himself, the the MP3 of him, not only reading the questions we asked, but answering them after reading them. And uh, he was very gracious. To, he went very in depth on a lot of the answers. Some stuff that really surprised me uh, from listening to it. You know, so, some answers I didn't expect. And uh, I, I just have to, like I said again, thank Catherine, uh, Dave Gibbons' press agent at Titan Books. Uh, she's also going to be uh, instrumental in our upcoming Clay Enos interview, which will be for our movie episode, our movie Watchmen movie review episode in March. So that's pretty much what happened with that. And uh, we're just very Thankful that Mr. Gibbons took the time to answer some of our uh, geeky questions. Nice. So what do you say we let it roll? I'd say hit it. All right. Okay, this is uh, Dave, um, and these are the answers to the questions from the Legion of Dudes. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm going to read the question out, and then I'm going to speak my answer. Um, hope you enjoy it I hope I do okay 
Lately, you have transitioned into the role of writer, specifically on Green Lantern Corps and ran Thanagar Wall for DC. How has your creative process changed with this transition? <clears throat> do you still draw or do thumbnails, even if you're not penciling the book? Now, the creative process of uh, writing is really a little different than drawing. Um, the way I, I write a script is I... Uh, Actually, I just speak into the computer or speak into a, a voice uh, kind of note-taker and just ramble on with what I think should be in the script and little ideas for scenes and bits of dialogue. Uh, and then I kind of do a rough transcript of that just so I've got my notes assembled. Um, although I am experimenting with um, you know, transcription software, which is quite interesting. Um, then I... Uh, you know, do a scene-by-scene scene of the book. Then I break that down into pages... And then when I come to write each page, I get a legal pad and I draw a line down the middle of the page. And on the right-hand side, I write dialogue. And on the left-hand side, I write description. And uh, I do them both in a kind of an independent, free-flowing way. And then once I've got it, I then try and join the words up to the pictures and the pictures up to the words and chop and cut everything about until... Um, you know, I have the content of a page, bearing in mind things like uh, restrictions on the number of pictures and uh, the number of words that you can have in a panel or should have in a panel or on a page. Um, and then I type it all up. And I never actually draw a thumbnail as I would do if I was drawing the artwork because I can kind of see that in my head. Um, and also, um, as an artist, I've always hated it when I've had scripts with any kind of thumbnail or, or sketch attached because once you get that uh, imprinted on your visual cortex it's very hard to break away from that so I try and keep my visualisation of the actual uh, design of the page um, kind of out of it so that um, I'm not interfering with what the, the artist really ought to be, be doing obviously if there was a specific effect that needed a particular shape panel or arrangement of panels I would put that in but um, generally I don't find the need to do um, thumbnails how much of the visual subtext in repeating visual themes of Watchmen such as the smiley face, the Gunga diner boxes etc were your creation and how many of those were in the script as scene direction well um, when we were first dreaming up Watchmen um, Alan you know, was really dealing with the, the characters and the plot and I spent a lot of time trying to imagine what the world would be like because one of the central kind of conceits of Watchmen was that if there were heroic characters in the world and particularly if there was a, a true superhero like Dr Manhattan that the world would be different um, and I was kind of interested in how different it might be so for instance I thought mm, you know if you've got somebody who can transmute uh, matter then he could easily create lithium which is a, a very rare metal but which is actually vital to the production of lightweight uh, batteries so I figured out oh, okay you could have electric cars then um, and then I thought okay so you've got real heroes in the world you probably wouldn't have superhero comics what would you have instead what's got the colour and the kind of swashbuckling nature of superhero comics oh pirate comics yeah fast food yeah that might be something that's different you know you see a mcdonald's or a burger king on, on every corner or a starbucks you know maybe some other kind of fast food oh, how about indian food 
Um, and so it kind of went like that. And um, I came up with a whole list of things, uh, double-breasted suits, um, rich people having their holiday homes in Antarctica. I sent Alan a whole list of these things, which he uh, used some of them, and he came up with the name Gunga Diner, and he chose to actually have Adrian Veidt's headquarters at, uh, in, in Antarctica. Um, so that was kind of the way it worked. And then when he would describe the panel, he'd say, maybe we see a Gunga Diner box in the background. So I draw a Gunga Diner box. Uh, with a smiley face, um, I... Um, you know, when I designed the comedian's costume, which looked very ominous, all black leather and, and, you know, not particularly amusing, I thought, oh, this needs something just to just to lift it, just to make it seem more than a guy in a gimp suit. And I thought, I know, how about one of those old smiley faces you used to get all the time in the 60s? So um, I drew a little smiley face on him and sent the sketches to Alan to show him how I was, was getting on. And he realised that this smiley face could be, uh, you know, the kind of symbol of the comedian's death. It could be the, f the thing that's found in the gutter, um, uh, which has fallen off the, the comedian and would give a good opening to the book. Um, and then as we saw that with the realistic blood splat splatter on it, we realised that, you know, that's the... That's the symbol for the whole thing. The smiley face is the ultimate cartoon and the realistic splash of blood yanks this innocent crude drawing into the real world and that's kind of what we're doing with um, the whole story. So, you know, from being a throwaway detail, it, it evolved via Alan into um, being the symbol for the whole series. Similarly with um, the pirate comics. I mean, in the, if you look at the first issue, there is a kid reading a pirate comic in a... Um, a foreground somewhere, I think as a detective's come out of um, Edward Blake's building. But again, it's a throwaway detail, it's a bit of set dressing, but by the time we get to issue three, um, it becomes, you know, a full-blown uh, subtext to the whole the whole thing. So, uh, you know, that's how that worked. For your contributions to the film and the production design, you drew new Watchmen content for the first time in quite a while. What was it like returning to these characters? Have your feelings for them changed in the intermediate years? Yeah, I mean, the stuff that I did for the Watchmen movie was actually a, a different kind of mindset than doing the original comic book. I mean, the original comic book sprang completely from our heads and was whatever we wanted to put down, and all the visuals, you know, popped out of my head and um, the colours popped out of John John Higgins' head. Um, so that's one way of working, is to, is to create stuff without reference, purely from your imagination. When it came to doing stuff for... Um, the Watchmen movie um, it was much more tied to what was already in the movie certainly with the, the illustrations that I did for um, merchandising and reference shots afterwards the brief there was to keep you know exactly to what was shown in the movie every detail of the costumes the, the likeness of the characters and everything like that so that's a very different um, art thing to do um, as for the production stuff I did for the movie well um, that was really confined to just kind of three new pages of Watchmen which illustrated a sequence that wasn't in the um, original comic book series. Um, and that was kind of interesting. I, I managed to find some of the exact same uh, illustration board that I'd drawn on and I used the same pen nibs that I'd drawn with in the same process. You know, I did my thumbnails and uh, enlarged the whole thing by eye and drew it out and got John Higgins to, to colour it. And that, that was... 
that was rather interesting. It, it didn't feel quite like doing the original thing, but it was it was quite nice to get back in that uh, in that groove again. As for my feelings for the characters, well, I mean, I've always loved the characters because they were, you know, they were so much our creation, um, and um, you know, we we weren't constrained in any way as to how we drew them or. Or, or, or how Alan wrote them or anything like that. So, yeah, I've, I've always been very fond of them and uh, obviously, you know, they've been good friends to me, as it were, through the years. Page layout is one of the hallmarks of Watchmen. From the first page we get a cinematic approach that we had not seen in comics up to that point. Can you break down how that first page was planned out and what changes in technique did you make to achieve it? Um, well, the page layouts of Watchmen was something that um, um, I came up with um, you know when Alan first wrote the, the outline for Watchmen I suppose it was visualised as just a regular looking comic book drawn in the way that comic books were drawn at that time but I wanted to actually do it in a way that was sort of timeless and it seemed to me that the you know the grid you know six panel or a nine panel grid you know gave a very kind of timeless look to a page um, um, a lot of stuff in the 40s was done like that. A lot of European comics and British comics were, were done on a, a, a very strict format. Um, Steve Ditko's Spider-Man was a prime example of it in more recent years. And it seemed to me that um, it, it, it concentrated the, the, the viewer into the panels rather than to make them aware of the layout of the page, you know. Um, and uh, as the style of the, the 80s when it was done was very kind of splashy poster type layouts I wanted to get away from that in other words I didn't want it to look like just another comic book I wanted the, the you know any page of Watchmen to be obviously a page of Watchmen and a page of no other comic book so I came up with this nine panel grid and I actually did a kind of a sample page for a fanzine that Alan saw and really liked and he could see that it gave him great control over the storytelling and how how um exactly what content was on each page and how big each image was so he liked that very much and um, before I got a script although after we talked about it a bit I drew a sample page actually featuring Rorschach and that really seemed to work well um, so we went ahead using that uh, it also meant that when we came to the final issue we finally went to a full page picture those pictures seemed huge because previously um, you know, uh, panels had only been in, in multiples of two or three, maybe four, you know, grid um, components. So it enabled us to hold back a bit and then use the impact when we needed it. As far as the first page, well, that is really just a cinematic pullback. Uh, quite a difficult thing to draw, um, you know, to, to make each panel uh, well composed and at the same time uh, pull back in perspective. It really used all my drawing skills um, as far as you know uh, mastery if you like a perspective was was con concerned it's uh, it's quite a technical um, operation um, and it's a thing certainly when I've looked at the motion comic um, uh, that you know they've done supremely well there and I know just how very difficult that that was to do um, so I don't know that there were any changes of technique it was just a question of applying my drawing skills to um, a very specific um, requirement. Um, I suppose the only other thing I could say about the drawing technique was that I, again, to try and give it a kind of a documentary timeless look rather than the very lush, brushy kind of artwork that was around then, I, 
I used a very hard pen nib to give it almost a kind of a deadline inking with very little modulation comparatively and then used a softer pen and a brush to put in texture and, and black areas so you know that again hopefully helped to give it a distinctive look. The violence in the book is very realistic it is shown as swift fierce and severe the fight scenes are without stereotypical pals or bams this is even seen in the culmination of Veidt's plan. What creative processes did you go through to choreograph these scenes? Well, the absence of sound effects was a deliberate um, stylistic decision by Alan and myself, you know, that we, we wouldn't have those in it because they kind of, again, I think, pull the reader out of the narrative. And if you've written the scene properly and you've drawn it properly... It, it should have enough impact as it stands. Also, I think sound effects can kind of trivialise violence. Um, and as far as the depiction of violence, I think that violence should be depicted as, as unpleasant. You know, the kind of John Wayne gunfights where people get shot and have just a little trickle of blood running down their shirt. I think are very unrealistic, as we all know, if you do get shot with a handgun, it takes a large portion of your body away with it and causes you a very severe injury and I think that uh, you know people should be aware of the consequences of, of violence um, and particularly with something like the attempted rape scene in Watchmen that had to look really nasty because you know rape is very nasty it isn't romantic it isn't balletic it's horrible um, so yes yeah, swift fierce and severe is, is actually how most fights and most violence is so if we did show it like that well then um, I'm very pleased with that as far as creative processes and choreography, well, you know, you use all the tricks to, to make a picture um, have impact. You know, you emphasise diagonals, you, you make sure that there are lots of uh, uh, dynamic shapes, shapes that echo each other, that amplify each other. Um, really, you know, that's the job of a uh, drawing in a, um, a violent or active scene, has its own requirements, a static scene has its requirements so um, it's really the same creative process on our podcast we have commented a lot on how colouring impacted the narrative how collaborative was the process between yourself Alan Moore and John Higgins on panel colouring was this something that was directed by you or Alan or did John Higgins come up with a colouring style based on the script and art he received well um, I'd known John Higgins quite well before he worked on Watchmen and I was very aware of his work and I really liked his colour palette um, he, he's got a view of colour which is very different than mine but it was um, you know obviously he had a very creative approach to colour it wasn't just a question of literally colouring in the costumes or making putting dark colours in a night scene or bright colours in a day scene um, and so when I asked him to colour the comic book, it was very much imagining that he would bring his own colour sense to it. And I tried very much to leave him to colour it in exactly the way that he felt it should be coloured. Uh, I recommended to him that I wanted it not to look like a typical American comic book. Um, I've been very taken with a lot of um, European albums, which after visiting a convention in Luca in Italy in the early 80s, I've been absolutely amazed by the the kind of the unseen treasures of uh, Europe and I had lots of those books and I showed um, John you know the kind of colour schematics that they used in those much um, 
more use of secondary colours and and browns and greys and things. And um, you know, he obviously incorporated that with with his his own approach. Um, if there was something that had to be a specific colour, you know, like the smiley badge had to be yellow, well, I you know direct that um, to him. And I did colour sketches of the of the costumes beforehand so that he could use those as a reference. Um, and again, if there was something specific that Alan wanted coloured a particular colour for a narrative reason, then I'd point that out to John as well. Um, I'd always look through um, what John had done and, I, you know, I'd, I'd sometimes ask him to change something, again, usually for a narrative reason. I was quite often, you know, absolutely astonished by what he'd done and thought, oh, my God, this is too garish, this is, oh, no. But it's funny, after the thing saw print, and particularly looking back on it now, his, some of his choices look almost restrained. Um, so I'm glad that John did uh, uh, do it in his own way and that we didn't uh, rein him in too much. And, you know, his creative contribution, I mean, it was a creative contribution. It wasn't just a process. Uh, his creative contribution was absolutely vital. And it's really interesting in, in, in the movie to see how many of his colours have made, made their way through to the finished product. And I think it's a great testament to his... Uh, skill with colour um, that they have. I, I, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that he did just can't be improved on. Um, so, yeah, um, it was quite a collaborative process, um, but John really was as much a creative partner as uh, uh, Alan or I were. Was. Um, watching the Watchman details, thumbnail sketches, and preliminary work you did for the issues remarkably. The thumbnails are extremely close to the finished product. Were there any particular scenes or moments in Watchmen that had you stumped or at a creative dead end? Well, the whole point of doing thumbnails is that they are close to the finished product. They're not like possible ways that the finished product might look. You know, you think about it a lot. You do lots of little scribbles. You then, on a small scale, work out a plan for the page. That is going to work. You know, that's your best guess at how it's going to work. Not to say you have to follow it. Sometimes when you're drawing a, a larger size or sometimes when you put the word balloons in, you find that the shape you're drawing in is a little bit different, so you have to adapt it for that. But essentially, um, you know, it's best to do all the thinking from the breakdown point of view at the thumbnail stage when you're working with something very small and very easy to just scrap and, re and redo rather than wait until you get to the big page. So... You know, um, once I've taken the bother and the time to do the thumbnails, and they were quite a time-consuming process. Although they, they're tiny little scribbles, they're actually very well-considered tiny little scribbles. So I would very rarely deviate from them, even though I, I knew I could if, if I wanted to. Um, were there any particular scenes that had me stumped or at a dead end? Not really. Some scenes you have to wrestle with a bit more than others. Some things come very easily. Some things, uh, you know, take a little more thought. But they're more rewarding for that. Um, again, when you're playing with them at, at, at a, a small scale, it's much easier to see what you've got. It's much easier to be experimental. It's much easier to try something out. So, um, And, of course, you know, Alan's scene descriptions were extremely full and there was plenty of material on there for me to draw on, more, in fact, than I could ever include. So um, that was actually, um, you know, a lot of information, a resource that I could always draw on if I, if I was particularly stumped or again you know sometimes when you can't figure out how to do something in an interesting way get some books off the shelf by some favourite artists or artists you admire and have a leaf through and see how they've attempted uh, uh, to deal with similar problems 
uh, that's always useful, or go and watch a nice movie, or go for a walk. Uh, that's how I would normally deal with that. Okay, so that's the uh, answers to your questions. Hope that's what you wanted. Bye. Great, great stuff. I just, I can't, I remember when uh, when Jim sent the interview email over and had it attached, I almost fell out of my chair at work because I was, I couldn't believe that he got it turned around so fast um, and that he actually, you know, it was it was for real and it was done. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool moment. I'm so glad he was able to take the time to, to answer some of our questions. I mean, it's a lot of stuff we've gone over in our in the course of um, you know reading the book and a lot of things that we've uh, discussed amongst ourselves, but really hadn't settled. You know, like the whole thing about the like the visual um, representations uh, showing themselves over again and again, spitting more out of them, like creating a universe first. You know what I mean? Like it was. It was the world that they created first, and then the Gunga Diner came from that. And this, you know, and that's the way you know the creative process goes. I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah, I was. I remember my first reaction after listening to it and realizing that he flipped it around that quick and answered all our question was, "We should ask more questions." Um, but then I think we would have been pushing our luck. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm so happy with what he did. I mean, the guy is just just a true gentleman, a true professional. I mean, he was. You know, like I said, gracious enough to 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 answer our questions in such a quick fashion, um, and gave just just awesome answers. I mean, they weren't just quick little you know asides. I mean, he went in detail, you know, about you know the questions we asked. So um, you can't thank Dave Gibbons enough for indulging us on this. Um, and hopefully, when he when he listens, he'll he'll enjoy what he hears. Yeah, I, I was just at the New York Comic Con, and the line for his signature went. It's almost all the way across the con floor. He, he, I mean, the buzz about Watchmen is really you know getting to a fever pitch now. And uh, at the end of his signing, I uh, got to uh, mention him uh, just real quickly in passing. I'm like, hi, I'm from the Legion of Dudes. I just wanted to thank you for answering all of our questions. He's, he said, oh, right, the Legion of Dudes. Uh, when is that going to be up online? And I told him, and he said, we'll send it to my press agent. I'll be keen to hear it. So... He's a, a true gentleman, you know, not only to take the time to answer our questions, but to be interested in, you know, our, our commentary and stuff. So I think it's really cool of him. So thanks to him and thanks to uh, Catherine at Titan Books. Yeah, you know, and he really, he doesn't give the impression that he's tired of talking about it. You know, you you could tell the love of the work really comes through in his voice. I mean, you figure at this point with all the movie press and everything that he, he'd have had enough of uh, these types of interviews, but yet he's... He's eager and happy to give an interview to a small little outfit, you know, a tiny little outfit like us. So there's there's just so much to be said for, you know, revisiting this, you know, decades since its inception, initial, you know, reception and and response and everything else, too. And I, I, I really seem to think that after after doing Watchmen for as much as we have to have done, excuse me, that. You know what? This is just flat-out living history. This is amazing. I mean, and I, I, I'm just glad that, you know, D- Dave's response is still, after all these years, enjoyment. You know, still after enjoyment. I mean, he had a good experience with the book. You know what I mean? And and you can tell that. That's really evident, I think. And it's really wild when, when you think about um, the, the directions that him and Alan Moore went. You know, it couldn't have been more opposite directions. I mean, Alan Moore is just... He doesn't want to have anything to do with it at this point, and Dave Gibbons is embracing it, which is 
you know, you wonder what went wrong, or maybe it's just different personalities. But there were, there were, I saw him twice in New York, and, and he had huge lines, and he just looked delighted to talk to every single person who wanted to talk to him about Watchmen. And, and you can tell he really does still love this work. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a more gracious uh, uh, answer to our response, or, or you know, in, in person as well. Just a really, really great guy all around. Thank you to him, and again, thank you to Titan Books. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that's uh, that's this is going to be something that you know, whenever we go to conventions and stuff for the next, you know, however many years that you know we're still doing this, you know, we can always say, hey, you know, thanks for that, you know, and when you know I ask him for a sketch or you know, if he's got time or whatever, you know, that's. You know, this is just part of, you know, like I said, making history again, too, you know, with, you know, with the movie coming up and everything else. So this is this is unbelievable, you know? Yeah, the, to think that a first, you know, full-fledged interview for, you know, a podcast that's been around for such a short period of time is, is such a heavyweight like Dave Gibbons is, is, is just incredible. More good things to come. Why don't we run the voicemail that we have, and I'll see if I can straighten out the uh, phone system. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, hey guys, it's uh, Dark BX Renee, and uh, I wanted to call you guys and tell you thank you for a great show. I know you guys are doing it out of the, the love for the work and it shows. Um, you guys have always had your A game on, and uh, it, it, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for a great, great ride and for showing a lot of us a different look at one of the greatest books ever. Thank you once again, guys. Thanks, Dave. He's, yeah, he's been he's, a supporter from the beginning. Yeah, he's Renee's great. just such a good guy. Um, actually, the, I just want to, uh, and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode for our thank yous and stuff. But um, the question about violence is one that uh, Renee submitted, so I was really happy to, you know, give him a shot too, and you know, and involve our listeners with uh, Dave's interview. So what? I, I guess we'll just kind of go around the horn until we get get things straight, and just everybody kind of shout out with you know what their final impressions were of the book now that we're done. I mean last last week we talked about 12, you know we did the whole book. So I guess whoever wants to go first just kind of talk about what you thought about the ending, what you thought about the book as a whole, how it stands up, you know whatever just kind of whatever comes to mind. And then uh John just interrupt us if we if we get somebody um on the line and, and we get that get that scored away. We'll do. Just to summarize uh what I felt about the book, I this is the uh, second time I read it. I think it holds up really well, and uh, I really enjoyed reading it with you all just because I got so much more out of it this time. I'm, I'm one of those people who just sometimes doesn't see the, the deeper uh, picture, and definitely this time I, I was able to uh, have my eyes open to a whole new world within the book. I'd also, uh, I just kind of had a, a question that I was thinking about, I guess, reflecting on the series. You know, we leave the book with um, Lori and Dan over at uh, the Nepenthe Rest Home. And I was thinking about this, like, what type of guy does Lori like? Because here you have Dr. Manhattan, who, when she, you know, when she enters this relationship with him, who is so to a fault, which, which is, you know, <laughs> half the plot of the book, Dr. Manhattan's fault, is... He's so consumed by, you know, gadgets and gizmos and the science of things. And then, obviously, the two split, and then Lori goes over to Dan. Well, as dif- as different as, you know, Dan and Dr. Manhattan are on, you know, the power scale, I actually think that those two are a lot um, – I-, I seem to think that they're uh, a little more similar than we might have suspected because Dan, for all of his faults, you know, ha- has the same type of mo- motifs and, and character traits – 
But, you know, Dan is also consumed by, you know, look at all the gadgets in, in Dan's basement. Not just Archie, but all the owl suits and the exoskeletons and everything else. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I guess the question is, you know, does Lori like a certain type of guy that's, um, that's you know, already preoccupied? I mean, the comedian was, you know, her father, uh, you know, who more or less, you know, gave her a complex, I guess, now that she figured that out. Oh, wait a minute. We have a phone call. Hey, how you doing? This is Sean. Hey, Sean. <laughs> hey, Sean. Hey, What's Sean. up, man? Sorry, uh, we're, we're having a little technical problems, and I jumped you in right in the middle of one of Mr. Umac's sentences, but uh, we will forgive me. <laughs> oh, it's, it's all right. I, I, I apologize for inter- interrupting Adam's speech. No, nope, totally uh, our fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's everybody doing this evening? We're doing awesome. I'm good. That is wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Look, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. One... Um, I listened to every episode while I was at work, you know, over the past, uh, you know, X amount of, uh, I guess, a couple of months that you guys have been doing this. And it's really been a very solid benefit for me because I once tried to read The Watchmen during, in my early 20s, and I didn't understand it. I didn't get when my uh, best friend Chris gave it to me. He was like, dude, you need to read this. You need to check this out. It's, it's just, it'll blow your mind. And I didn't get it. And I, I was just like, I don't understand it because I was so used to standard superhero tales, standard conventional storytelling. I just wasn't ready for it. So, you know, I'm a little older now. I get it. I understand, I understand it now. So, you know, that's cool. But um, I've kept putting it off hold as far as reading it. And I started listening to your guys' podcast, so then you piqued my interest. And then now this movie's coming out. So I've continued to put reading the book on hold because I want to watch the movie, then read the book, and then go back and listen to your podcast again to reabsorb everything. The knowledge that you guys, all of you, bring to the show for each Watchmen episode and and for any book in that matter is um, just completely profound and outstanding. And I'm not saying that just to kiss your butt. I'm just keeping it real. Um, Thank you um, for, you know, what you guys do. And, um, you know, because I continue to constantly constantly see growth um and just it's it's wonderful the podcast is wonderful and um even after watching it's done i know there's more to come uh, regardless so um i'm very proud of you guys so please keep doing what you're doing because it is good thanks a lot well, man we really appreciate it yeah i really appreciate it it's not a likewise hey, for, for you I as well Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I wouldn't say it um, if I didn't mean it. The one thing that cracks me up the most, and this will be my last thing before I go, I typed it in the, um, in the stick'em uh, comment area. I need a more snowsuit owl man. I need a snowsuit owl man action figure right away. <laughs> so, hey, uh, hey, have you seen, hey, Sean? Yes. Speaking of which, have you seen the pics from, uh, from the movie that shows him in the owl suit in the movie? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I know I, I have not. I, I've literally tried to uh, to stay away from like any type of spoilers, pictures, images. I I know the basics as far as um as far as the whole diatribe of Watchmen at the movies is concerned. I'm staying away from it all until it comes out. Gotcha. It's it's pretty cool though. I will admit. Oh, awesome. But I totally agree with you. Sweet. Um, no, I'm Snowsuit Owlman. Just you know, just seems like one of those uh, Legends of the Dark Knight action figures that needs to be made. You know, there are like a gajillion Batman figures, so I'm like, give me a couple extra Owlman, and that would just be that would be incredible. But no, 
I won't hold up the phone lines any longer. You gentlemen have a wonderful evening. And um, I keep seeing, like, our, <laughs> I keep seeing PKD Media uh, plugs on the Stick'em Cam. That is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, seriously, what you, what you all do for comics is great. Don't stop doing it. Continue to prosper and grow. And your audience is going to continue to grow as well. And I wish all y'all nothing but the best. And I'll be talking to each of y'all soon. So y'all take care. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Thanks again. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Good night. All right. I think we got the kinks worked out. Of course, we missed about four just now. But I'll let you guys know when something else pops up. So um, oh, here we go. Let's try it again quick and see before we start up if we can make this happen. Hello. Hello. Who might this Hello. be? Did I get through? You got through. This is June Bob. <laughs> yes. June Bob. There he is. What's up, June Bob? As, as always, you know, following off somebody else's call. This can't be the first caller <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> hey, like, I, like I said, at least you beat Hesse on. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Found the beater, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys had me on the, uh, on the show. So, uh, this is good. Of course, you answered the phone not knowing it was me calling. So, <laughs> I, w- I wish we had the. Uh, we don't even have the Korean sound queued up. Perfect. <laughs> well, you know, to tell you honestly, I you know I would like to say that I called to uh, congrats you guys, you know, but actually I called to just to hear my voice on a podcast. Ever since the uh, half hour wasted guy started dissing me and uh, giving me the cold shoulder. <laughs> so, You're always welcome with the dudes, man. Yeah, no, man. I man, you guys. I you know, I was so excited when I, you know, heard the first you know first time the news that you guys were land, you know able to land um, Mr. Gibbons um, you know interview, and I was I mean I was really giddy as all get out you know when I heard that. So I was um, I was very excited for you guys, and I'm very very uh, proud of you guys for what you've done, and um, and I'm you know even more glad that you guys are finally. Uh, Cutting the uh, umbilical cord with them, uh, you know, wasters, and uh, you know, getting on your own. <laughs> no, I, I know you guys have you know profound respect for one another, even on the you guys the way you guys mentioned it. But man, you guys have been doing a, just an awesome job. And um, I, you know, I have to admit, you know, I I thought I um, I like to you know read and study these you know materials really deep until uh, I you know basically I saw the way you guys are. Going through the fine combs, and uh, I think the uh, the really the good um, balance that you guys are able to achieve is that uh, you guys have a pretty among the dudes. There's a there's you know a whole lot of variety in the opinions and and the uh, the ability to you know read into the subtext of things, and uh, thinking that you know it ranges all the way from you know what age, you know, you guys, grew, you know, what, what time frame you guys grew up in and what settings you grew up in. And, you know, and I think you guys are bringing that to the table too. So that's what really, really neat. I, I like that. And I, sometimes I like just the one, you know, one or two very eloquent people and very smart people reading through something and sharing all the subtext that they could find. But there's something about, oh my gosh, you guys are flashing pictures of my face on there. <laughs> of course. So wait a minute. Are you, but, uh, are you saying we're not eloquent and smart? No, no. I, it, it, it was pretty amazing to see, you know, so many of the eloquent and smart people getting all together and you know, 
not not producing something that's you know total crap. So now you guys you guys have been excellent, and I I, I think you guys are you know presenting a very very good balance to uh, for everyone. And you know, and so, I'll, I'll bounce this off you, man, because like. It's not just like, okay, just because, you know, there's like secret hidden things that you have to look hard to find, these Easter eggs and stuff. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that, A, it's quality, and B, you know, the episode's going to be good. You know, there's, there's a theory about how reading works, okay? And um, that theory, it was started by an Australian named Louise Rosenblatt, which is called Reader Response Theory. And I guess to kind of like bring everything together here, it's whatever the reader thinks and how the reader interprets is the right yeah. answer. And like that is the yeah. right answer. You know what I mean? So, you know, like I said, like Watchmen, it is, and I, and I think that this is why Russ got and John and everybody got everything started is because you know this. I think that you know I don't. I would say it's like the diamond in the rough, but my God, I mean, it is such a standalone in the industry, and for for all the you know literature that's out about comics, you know, I'm just. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm surprised that no one has done it before. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. there's essays and stuff like that, but, you know, there, there really were no annotations aside from, you know, some small half-done, half you know, uh, websites. And so while I'm not going to say this is like, you know, a service to the comic community, I mean, this is because we wanted to do it, man, because yeah. we were ready for it. I mean, I, I think, it, you know... Let me put it to you like this. If we did something this ambitious, this crazily for, you know, almost two hours each episode, like that to me, that to me says, let's do it. I mean, and if you look at number 11 and number 12, those were two hours each, man. That's four hours over 22 pages. What's wrong with us? I don't know. Don't answer that. But at the same time, why not? You know, there, there's a need for it, I think at least. And then so you balance that with, you know, the other episodes like the one shots and stuff. You know, where it's like, okay, state of the industry, let's talk about it, go further from there. And again, I think that's why the movie is a good thing, because, you know, we probably wouldn't have done it. We probably wouldn't have come together as a group. We, I mean, we all loved the book previously, but the exposure of the movie is what kind of, you know, pulled it all together. I, I wanted to say, too, um, you know, Jim, um, you know, said a lot of things, uh, for example... It's, you know, Jim, what was pretty neat is, uh, you know, I grew up overseas, so it's even more, you know, uh, interesting for me to uh, listen to the, uh, to the time frame of the uh, United States and, you know, the whole outlook of what the, uh, the world looked like, the way, you know, the way that, uh, you know, Jim, you know, thought, you know, he saw it and what could have caused, the, you know, a writer to kind of, you know, put this almost as a, you know, social outcry or some kind of a, you know, perspective on, you know, and those, you know, those kind of variety of, you know, things that uh, Jim was able to add, you know, um, it was it was pretty neat, you know, and it was little, you know, nibbles of things that, you know, I could really chew on. So that was pretty neat. And uh, I, I just really appreciate, you know, what you guys have been, you know, doing. So you're right, Adam, and I I agree with you, um, I you know, to almost to every perspective except, you know, that there are some, you know, there are some, you know, there's always some, you know, the writer or creator always does have some intentions behind what they're writing and what they're, you know, targeting also, but that doesn't necessarily negate uh, what the reader reads out of it. And so I agree with you almost to a certain respect, but not all, I, I don't, I don't know if I can truly say, 
you know, 100% of what anybody wants to interpret out of something is correct because I think some people can just read something on the surface completely, not do what it takes for them to, you know, be able to get, you know, clean something out and completely go off on a tangent and end up giving something that was never intended nor was it, you know, possibly even there. I don't know. And and that, that's just because I'm, you know, I'm just philosophically I'm not a total, uh, you know, relativist when it comes to things. I always think there's, you know, there's an absolute and that's the, you know, that's the premises I work on, you know, on everything. So. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for calling and uh, supporting us and everything. Another guy that's been there from the beginning. So we really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for the good work. And um, congratulations once again. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go so you can have some more uh, interesting people on. <laughs> Thanks for calling Anytime, in, man. Bob. We need to get... Keep up the good work, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Sure. All right. I got one ready to roll here. Takes a second to get them connected. Hello. Hey. What's up? Hey, who's this? Brad. Oh. Right. Oh, Brad. He's... Hey, Doombot just beat you on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you called twice. You? You're, you're letting us down. You know, normally your your streak is to be like first one in, like right off the bat. So. I'll have you know. I'll have you know. I've been calling since five until the hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been calling for approximately fifty minutes or so. Well, you know, we are kind of a big deal now. <laughs> yeah. How many phone calls have you gotten? Three. Yeah, well, and a voicemail. And I left you a few voicemails too. Uh, <laughs> are the they man. are they suitable for air or no? Yeah, they're just me like goofing around. Gotcha. <laughs> I didn't know if it was hey, I can't get through. Bleepity bleep. No. <laughs> so Brad, tell tell us, um, tell everyone how we've inspired you to take another look at the Watchmen. <laughs> oh yeah, and I think you guys are wasting your time. <laughs> I think your whole podcast is a joke because this this uh, book is the most highly. You know the trailer says the most. What is it? The trailer call it the, the most something graphic novel of all time. Most celebrated graphic most, novel of all time. I think it's the most it acclaimed should, graphic novel. Yeah, well, it, it should be the most overrated graphic novel of all time. <laughs> oh man, you're killing a buzz. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it, Brad. Well, I just call them like I see them. I don't sugarcoat them. You know that. <laughs> we know that. That's why we love you. Hey, I know. Watchmen or Final Crisis? Uh, well, no. I'd, if I was forced to read one again, it would be Watchmen. I let's, you know, look. Let me put it this way: I don't hate the Watchmen. I just don't think it's you know all peaches and cream like everybody else does. But I think Final Crisis deserves to be flushed down my toilet. <laughs> Alrighty then. But you know, obviously, as you can tell. I don't really have much to contribute to the Watchmen discussion, but I just wanted to call and say hi. Um, I am looking forward to the movie. Um, oh, look, he's being but, patronizing. Aw. <laughs> no, I'm not being patronizing at all. The movie looks cool. I'm hoping it helps me enjoy the story more. I honestly don't remember enough about the ending of the comic to know why uh, Zack Snyder would have changed the ending. Um, but I, didn't I hear that right? There's like something that's not in the movie that's in the comic. There is no Squidzilla. Okay. The, how do y'all feel about that? There's also another. Wait, wait though. There's also another rumor that he filmed an alternate ending and he was just messing with the uh, the press. 
By yeah, Gibbon, that, Gibbons actually dispelled that at the, at the con. There's a lot of con stuff up now after he did all of his interviews and stuff where he, in fact, says there's no squid. Yeah. I personally, it doesn't bother me if it's done well. because I, And I've said this before. If, 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 all, if they're just going to take the book and literally translate it word for word, picture by picture, moment by moment, onto the screen, then why bother? You know, why not just have the comic? Well, wait, um, well, wait, 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 Russ, Russ, Russ. If, if they're changing the movie, doesn't that prove that Watchmen is unfilmable, like they said back in the 80s and 90s? Um, not I mean, this is, I don't think so. And this is just, just me here. But I think if you don't fundamentally change it, like, I mean, if, they, if they're going to change tidbits here or there, if, if, the, if the gist of the ending is the same, whether they're Squidzilla or no Squidzilla, then it doesn't matter to me. Now, if they change the ending with, without Squidzilla and they make it something that is totally out of left field um, or doesn't make sense in the context of the book or the world they've created, then, yeah, I'll have a problem with it. But if, if everything kind of jives and, and, it, and it makes sense, you know, who's to say that, that the movie ending doesn't end up better than the book ending? I believe that nothing is unfilmable, but I do believe that things can be more difficult to film and to translate is a better word to film uh, than others. Absolutely. Agreed. All right, brother, we love yes, you. Sir. And uh, we need to thank you again for uh, getting us started and hosting us and uh, letting uh, us play in your sandbox all this time. And we're looking forward to uh, what's coming up ahead for all of us. Well, same here. And you don't ever have to thank us for that. If, you know, if I can't wait until the uh, murder-suicide pack we all agreed on. You first. I, I, I did not sign that. <laughs> actually, I, actually, I did, but I didn't use my real name. I think I used the name Gern Blanston. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Is the movie going to come out on time? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it definitely looks like it. All right, that's good. That's good. All right, guys. I'm glad you got the sky right. working. we we'll talk man. to you guys later. All right, take care. Take care All right, thanks, man. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Awesome. Was that, was that Noticeably too, was that, absent. Was that Noticeably too, absent. Bill McGonnell. Was that too mean? Just, just for those of you keeping score, no, no Bill yeah. McGonnell tonight. Okay, just we know where his allegiance is. That's fine. <laughs> Here comes another uh, call, guys. Hello. Hey, this is this is Luke, the Cripple Avenger. Nice. Hey, man. Hey, there he How is. are you, man? What's up, Luke? What's up, boys? It's my Left for Dead brother. What's hey, going Luke. on, dude? Hey. I'm just one of one of the original ten listeners, I would say. <laughs> and a proud one of that there. Proud one of that. Before I, I get into yet. the whole Watchmen thing, I just want to say you guys are awesome. I love listening to you guys. I don't listen to everything you guys do because I haven't read a lot of this guys stuff you guys have done yet. But everything I have listened to is just awesome, and especially this Watchmen stuff. I read it for the first time this past summer, and then you guys decided to do this, and I pick up on so much stuff, and it's just. Great to listen to, and you guys are just doing a phenomenal job. Well, hey, thanks, thanks man. man. No thanks needed. Now, as far as, because I heard you guys started to get into a conversation about, you know, your overall impressions of the book. Uh, there's my awesome picture. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just curious, as far as your, uh, like, story-wise, what was you guys probably the highlight of the book for each of you? And as far as art goes, just like maybe an image or a page or as far as something like that goes. Um, I guess I'll start. I think, um, I think my favorite part of the story was busting Rorschach out of jail. Yeah. 
um, something something about that is what really um, what really sealed it for me. Maybe being on the fence or, or not being sure the first time around, but that's that's the those are the chapters that um, I started to realize that it was something special that I was reading. I love the first few pages with uh, the death of um, of the comedian. I think those are are great, and I I can't wait to see them on film. I'm I'm such a history buff. So for me, it was the whole, you know, how the world has changed um, and just the whole when they would do the flashback stuff where they talk about, you know, what this world was like in the 30s and the 40s and, and the old Minutemen stuff. Um, to me, that that just really grabbed me. I love the uh, the very first page when uh, you know, we see uh, Veidt's, uh truck uh, driving by and, and Adam saying that it's, it's telegraphing the ending of Who Done It uh, right in the very first page. So it ruined the ending. That was my favorite part. <laughs> your your lack of planning uh does not connotate an emergency on my part <laughs> um i think i think my uh my favorite page actually it's probably um the the one somebody owns uh the first appearance of dr manhattan when he's just kind of towering over laurie and rorschach when rorschach comes to visit him at uh, gila flats i i love that page that's so bizarre weird and crazy but um, I'm going to go with issue nine as my favorite, just the whole backstory of Warshak, plus the um, one-on-one with him versus Dr. Long. I'm such a sucker for, like, interrogation scenes and, like, psycho drama and cop drama like The Wire or Homicide Life on the Street. I can't tell you how many, you know, <laughs> think of how many interrogation scenes you've ever seen. And I, I know while it's not, you know, police business, you know, Dr. Long and Warshak going head-to-head is just ingrained into my head as... More than iconic, I guess. Really, I think. I think when I first read it, I, I would have agreed with you, like issue number nine. But after rereading it a few times, there are just certain like key pivotal moments that really like uh, get it for me. Like uh, Adrian Veidt saying, "You know, uh, what are you talking about? I did it thirty minutes ago." And then, uh, what is that you have behind your back? A secret weapon, kind of. And of course, Adrian, you're an a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I censored myself, guys. So there you go. Good man. But uh, I don't know. I just I remember reading it back in the day and just thinking, "Wow, this is like this is you know a comic that could be read as literature, like the way you would read a good novel or whatever." And it was a real turning point for just the way the comics are perceived. And now all these years later, to see all this hype around it and the movie and everything else, it's. Just, I mean, the whole thing is really gratifying to me. I've been wait. I, I got a Rorschach action figure this weekend. I've been waiting 23 years to buy one. So nice. There you go. Nice. So Luke, since uh, as as a as a listener and a participant, and then avidly so from from the beginning, what I mean, what are some of your thoughts? What did, you know, either about the book, the show, the ending, um, the Gibbons interview? Um, you know, what do you what do you have? What say you? As far as the book goes, my favorite part, probably my favorite part in the whole book is. When Rorschach is walking to the to the cemetery to go to the comedian's grave, and there's that whole part of his journal where he's talking about how superheroes in the end die, and how only villains come to their uh, graves to leave roses. And I can't remember the exact line, but it's something like, "Heroes can't die in their beds; it's not allowed." I thought that was such a strong commentary on just the way heroes end up just dying and violently in comics and. I thought it was a great commentary. And as far as images go, probably when, you know, uh, 
Dryberg's like, what happened to those times, Rorschach? And then he says, you quit. And there's a, just that one great panel of, you know, Night Owl sitting by his locker with the, you know, the costume in the locker, and he's just looking totally just deflated and lost. I thought that was a great drawing. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for calling. We're going to try to um, get a few more people in before we uh, before we cut off. But thanks again all right, for uh, all the support and, and coming on tonight. No problem, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. You know, just kind of getting back to to what he was saying, or or what June Bob was saying as well. In in the first issue that we did, you know, I mentioned that somewhere in the jacket of the book it says, uh, you know, this should be the first graphic novel that you read, or something along those lines. And and I said that it 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 should be the opposite. It should be what you read if you hate comic books. You know, I, I still kind of feel that way. I still kind of feel if you started off with Watchmen. You know, you might not know how to read it, and you might almost even be bored with it if you're looking for comic book type stuff. But yet, if you're jaded by like everything that's gone on in comics, and you're a big fan of them, you know, a good move would be to try Watchmen for the levels and the depth, and you know, reading it like a novel, like Jim was saying. Yeah. Let's hear somebody else's uh, thoughts while we wait for somebody to buzz in. Oh wait, I got somebody to buzz in. (laughs) Oh. Hello. Hey, guys, it's Frank. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank. Hey, guys. Great show uh, so far. Really enjoyed it. Um, been listening um, since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys are pretty okay. You guys are all right. Who's so Frank with his lovely wife? <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't she just dreamy? She's just a dreamiest. I tell you, we're like, talking about Lisa Loeb. Man. That is Sean uh, from Angry Gnome did that little mock-up for me, and uh, I can't tell you how happy that little black and white picture of Lisa Loeb looking adoringly at me uh, <laughs> makes me feel. Just for the people that just downloaded the audio, we're uh, we're up on a stickum chat right now, and we're we've been flashing pictures of everyone and playing jokes on people. So if you hear anything strange, it's never mind. <laughs> Johnny, I did I did send you uh, what I consider my my signature photo just a moment ago, or at least a link to it. Oh, awesome! Um, Can't wait to see it. You can see what you think about that. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, guys, I, I was always kind of curious about this. You know, it's great that they finally made the Watchmen into a movie, but uh, before that, I'd always heard people say that it was unfilmable and stuff like that. But what do you think if they had taken a, an animated approach to it, something along the lines of Pixar? Do you think it would have worked? Ooh. Wow, that would have been um, the, the violence translating to the animated look. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, like, like I think it would not work like in Bruce Tim JLU style. But if you, I think if you take a look at what they did with uh, Batman Gotham Knights, the uh, anime. Mm-hmm. And I, I know zero about anime, but that was um, very convincing, I'll say. Batman Gotham Knights. Go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, I mean, if you look at the motion comics that are out now on iTunes, um, if, I guess if they were to go with Gibbons' actual style and you know, make a, you know, a, you know, an animation based on his line style, it might have worked in that context. But, I, yeah, um, I don't um, it, it, it's interesting, the, uh, the iTunes thing, but it's very 2D and it's very... You know, un- unsatisfied. Well, if you were to watch it on the big screen, I think you would be very disappointed. <laughs> you know. Well, they're releasing it on DVD right before the movie. Oh, I didn't realize that. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah, and you can even get it on the 
PlayStation Network as separate downloads right now for your PS3. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, because I've seen a few of them, and I think they're pretty cool. But um, I don't know. At, at least in my opinion, I, I don't. They're, it's interesting, but um, I just I just didn't care for it that way. I mean, I'm I'm glad they they were able to do the live action version, and I'm assuming that they're able to do it now just because of all the CG that's that's available to them. I mean, virtually nothing is impossible now. Yeah. Ziggo is on the stickum saying that a great example would be Spawn from the HBO style animation. Yeah, which is another. Oh, uh, actually, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's probably perfect. That is an ex- and that worked great too. And I think going back to what Adam said, um, I uh, yeah, I, that's kind of, that was kind of a manga stylish, if I remember correctly. Mm, kind of maybe manga in style, uh, inspired. Influenced, yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, you guys have been so positive about Watchmen, but how do you think they could mess up the movie? <laughs> well, what is the one thing you do not want to see in this movie? It can't end well. Actually, that's probably the best answer I could think of, John. It's not... There needs to be that... Okay, um, there needs to be that sense of unsteadiness, uneasiness, and, um, like, I almost want to say, like, watching the movie with a sense of urgency. Yeah. Because I, I feel, I'm, and they're not, I do not think they're going to get Dark Knight pitch perfect, in my opinion, suspense, like, or, or, or pacing maybe. I, I don't know. This is totally hypothetical. But I seem to think that, like, the reverberations of, you know, the characters' actions, like Dr. Manhattan, obviously Adrian, I think those might strike more of a chord than Dark Knight potentially, though. I was just going to ask if you guys saw There Will Be Blood. Um, no. Milkshakes. Well, it's a movie that you you leave with, like, a strange feeling in the pit of your stomach, like you just witnessed a train wreck or something. I need that at the end of Watchmen. <laughs> I need a train wreck feeling. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, you know, I, I feel somewhat good about it, but based on, on uh, the director's work on, on 300, because 300, the pacing was good, um, you know, the way the, the actors interacted, you know, the, the way the action was, was done, it all worked really well. So, I, you know, I have high hopes for a movie. I, I don't think we're going to be disappointed at all. Um, I, I, you know, I think the worst thing that could possibly happen is if they just water it down a little too much. But, you know, maybe they may have to to fit it in, what is it, a three-hour time frame? Yeah, I think it's about 2.40 right now. Yeah, I mean, I, they're, I mean uh, they're definitely going to have to take out some or gloss over some items, but that's just... That's just the nature of the medium, you know. Unless they want to make it look like an HBO series and do multiple hours of it. Uh, I mean, you know, that's what happened with the original Dune. Remember, they just, it was a disaster because they just couldn't fit that epic of a story into two hours. Right. But when uh, when sci-fi did the uh, the miniseries, I mean, it was so much better. My my, uh, whole uh, outlook since the the outset of... Zack Snyder's making Watchmen has been the phrase cautious optimism. You know, I hope it's yeah. a really good movie, and I hope it's in the spirit of the work that's adapting. I realize that changes might have to be made and things are going to have to be left out, but I hope there's enough of it there that's recognizable to, you know, someone who's read the book as a Watchmen movie, not just, you know, a product. I was thinking about this um, yesterday, actually. Um, I started listening to the Two True Freaks pro- podcast with Chris and Scott Gardner, and like those guys are very much uh, new fun in the forums, new fun number six. Such a, Scott's such a good guy, um, and they're kind of like 
approach as I don't want to say like fundamental comic books, but like they're very traditional. Like Scott's Superman is the John Byrne Superman. And I, I, I don't feel as though I'm speaking for Scott, but like, like anything that Jeff Johns is doing or all-star Superman, et cetera, you know what I mean? Like that's still Scott's baby. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what he it was engaged with was the Byrne Superman. And I, I don't, I do not want this to go into the direction of, you know, like hating <laughs> being a hater, but like I already, you know, I already blew someone out of the water on the forum last week. But um, like I, I really wanted to see like, I want to see everything. And I don't know why I think that way with this book, because this is not my favorite book. It's not. The Long Halloween and probably Rebirth, Green Lantern Rebirth are. But I, I just have this, like, overwhelming urge to see, like, let's – and I don't know if this is, like, just for comics in general, but, like, let's see this and this and this. But I understand, you know, directorial concepts. I understand, you know, their need to be creative too. And I'm just wondering, like, why that's kind of driving and, and pounding in my head why I need to have everything – because I'm, I'm not like that at all. I'm like, okay, whatever you feel. You know what I mean? Like, it's like what I tell the kids in class. It's like, well, as long as you back your answer up, guys – then, you know, then how can I, you know, argue with you? But I'm wondering why I'm taking such a weird kind of hardline approach to this movie. And I, you know, I haven't seen the movie, obviously. But well, you know what, Adam? If, if, I'll, if I can take a guess, it, it may not be your favorite and it's not my favorite, but we, we recognize it as like the holy grail for comics. And like I want everything to be in it so that people who aren't a fan of the book at all go, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's weird, John, because like I'm not I'm not like this. I'm like, okay, do what you feel, you know, like enjoy. <laughs> but I'm I'm like this with this book, and I, I can't think of any reason why. But I and I think Frank that I'm getting a lot out of the Watchmen motion comic that and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like I just don't think I'm gonna get out of the movie. And I I cannot wait to see the movie either. What's wrong with that? <laughs> um you know, it, it, it's just nice to see something that you thought would never happen happen. You, you know, that, that the Watchmen come, come to scream like that and that, um, you know, a studio, a, a big-time studio would take a chance on it. It's, um, you know, um, I, I, just, I just can't see, uh, you know, they, they, they have a good, good director behind it. I just can't see it being a total disaster. You know, like, like like you said, you know, maybe, maybe the ending might not be be as bone chilling as, as as you need for it to be. But I don't know if the director's good enough. They they can communicate that. They they can make that happen. I think that Zack yeah, I mean, Snyder I, really I, has a handle on the balance of the visual style too. Because if he goes too cartoony with it, it's not going to work. If he goes too realistic with it, it's not going to work. And we've seen like he really works well with visual style, like in Three Hundred and Dawn of the Dead. So I'm sorry, Russell, I didn't cut you off there. No, 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 I was just going to say, you know, you just, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, I mean, he's, he's proven that he can make a good translation. Um, and I have no reason based on what I've seen and what I've heard to, to doubt that. Um, the other thing I think is the, the big moment for people, and we talked about this, for people that haven't read the comics that are going to go to the movie. And if, I mean, the rest of us can say what we want about what's included, what's taken out you know, what's been left by the wayside. But if people in the movie theater are sitting there, and when they get to that moment at the end, and Adrian's going over his entire plot with, you know, the cast of characters in the room, 
And when he gives that whole, you know, what are you talking, you know, I did it 35 minutes ago, people are just going to be floored, if they, especially, you know, when they don't know that's coming. And Because I, I, that, from, from a variety of aspects, is so contrary to everything you're used to seeing in a movie or in a book or whatever. You're used to the James Bond syndrome where, you know, you're sitting in there and it's like, oh, here we go again, he's going to tell them what happened. And then when, when that moment clicks, and I, and, and I, I will, you know, obviously I haven't seen the movie, but I can't believe they would, they would do anything like that. But when that, move, when that moment hits, that's what's going to make people go, holy crap. And, and I think, you know, whether or not the rest of it or how they get to that point um, or what happens after as far as squid, no squid, I, I think the people in the theater aren't going to really care too much. I think the fanboys may go crazy one way or the other. Um, but to me, that's the moment that's going to, that's going to show people that, that this medium can translate to, to film and, you know, dark, the dark Knight proved that I think this will be a, you know, kind of the one, two punch and, and hope that it, it brings people to, to the format. You know, we, we talked about it before, you know, movies based on comics are the hottest thing now, but yet readership isn't growing. Um, and it just drives me nuts. I think so much more can be done to bring people, you know, to these books that if the studios just were to take a little hit in the short run um, and throw out the freebies and give stuff away to people that, that aren't in the shops every week looking at this stuff, I think they would see a huge return on investment. Did you guys see the main thread in the CGS forum that said, um, is there, is it a possibility that Watchmen's being overexposed? I, I don't know what any, if, if any credence we give to that, but I definitely think that, um, you know, the comic book community, I mean, I think we're definitely on, like, DEFCON 4. There's definitely, like, Terror Alert Red for Watchmen right now for us. But I just I just don't understand why that, why that, in particular with this book, I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're not promoting, like, Batman the concept. Do you get me? Like, they're promoting a specific book. This is a group of characters that I don't think, you know, like as, like, tried-and-true Americana, like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, can be, like, <laughs> held to high esteem. But, like, it's... It, like, they're promoting... Like, when you talk Watchmen, you're talking not Watchmen culture, but just the book of... You know what I mean? Not just, here's the next, you know, three Spider-Man movies. So I, I think it's a different... And I think it's a, an interesting new kind of spin on what's being sold. Because they're selling specifically books, not the idea of Watchmen, like so many things with Batman are, are sold as. Your average guy on the street knows who Batman is or who, who Spider-Man is or who Superman is. I don't think Dr. Manhattan or Night Owl are so much a household name as, as some of those other brands. And I think by you know creating all this hype and everything, they're kind of getting the ideas out there before the movie comes so people are, have a kind of an idea, oh, wait, there's that big blue guy, okay? Oh, wait, there's that guy with the face that changes, you know? Because, I mean, people really aren't as familiar with these characters as we are. And for this movie to be a success... I mean, not only the people who have read the book are going to have to go see it, a lot of people who haven't read the book or haven't even heard of the comic are going to have to come out and see it for it to be successful. So, I mean, that's why... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, I was just going to say, that's that's why they might have to change things or water it down in some some ways. It's kind of like the... um, um, Kind of the the Harry Potter syndrome in that you, you have these books that have, you know, a lot of detail and are loved by people... 
but uh, there's a certain population. Arguably, most of the population has never read or will read the book, so they they depend on the movies for their entertainment. So as long as they can get something out of the movies, I you know every fanboy is going to find something something wrong with the movie. You know they're 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 always going to nitpick something to that. But but as long as as I guess the message is there and the story is there and 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 you know. The elements that, that that make Watchmen what it is, they are, you know, it, it should be a success. Well, the buzz has been good, and then you know, people have seen this movie as as we've said before. So, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think we're going to be all right. That's my guess, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and guys, be, before I get off, I wanted to say, um, you know, um, it, sometimes things that are that are obvious, I miss out on. It's happened to me a lot, you know. Um, you know, when, when you started talking about, uh, you know, I was probably in the same camp with Brad uh, when I first read The Watchmen. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. I couldn't understand what was the big deal about it. But uh, you guys have really, really opened my eyes to a lot of things, and, and, and I appreciate that, and I have a newfound appreciation for The Watchmen, and that's all because of you guys. Awesome, man. That's the best compliment. <laughs> okay. Have a good show, guys. I'll talk hey, to you thanks later. Thanks for everything, Frank. Frank. Bye, guys. Thanks, Frank. And the lines are open. <laughs> uh, I just want to say one more thing. Uh, I'm less nervous about, I think we're going to get a good movie. Uh, everything I've seen that's come out on it with, uh, with and what Zack Schneider has done with his other movies, uh, I have a lot of faith. Um, I think it's going to be good. I'm worried that it's going to be because of the success of it that I think it will have, that uh, Warner Bros. is going to want to have a prequel or a sequel or something. And, and I don't think this is a book that needs that. It needs to be a a one-time thing, and that's it, and and just let it stand on that. But you know how companies are. Here we go, guys. Hello. Hey. Who do we got? Hey, who's it? Hey, it's it's me, Ziggo. Hey, Ziggo. Hey, man. Hey, there there he is. Is. hey Ziggo. How's it going? Ziggo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I guess I wanted to talk more about my opinions as the movies coming out instead of the actual book itself. Go for it. Um. One thing that I love about the movie, this book being made into the movie is that a lot of people actually went and got the graphic novel because they saw the trailer to this movie. You know, oh, look, there's me. Yeah. Um, a lot of people actually got the graphic novel because they, they wanted to check out what the story was before the movie came out. You know, which is why I think the big boom, you know how, like, ever since they showed the trailer, a lot of the books started selling out? Right. Yeah, so I think it's because of that. And I think also, I, I have high expectations. Um, let me give you a great example right now. 300. Look what Zack Snyder did with 300, and now it might, and again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jimmy here. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, but a lot more optimistic than cautiously because I, I got a feeling they got something good going on right now. You know, and the, the visuals look great so far, you know, and... Um, where they, f- they filmed it, they filmed it here and made everything look like the 1980s, which is also pretty great. Um, but I got a feeling that that they are they are going to do a great job. Now, of course, as you guys said earlier, they may change some stuff and there may be some fanboys that may not like stuff. But that's always going to happen. It always happens with movies and you can't go by that. You know, you have to go by, okay, you know, they tried their best to interpret it and that's what we have to go by. I don't, I don't know if the... I was I was happy with 300 as well, but I don't know if that makes me feel more secure, just because 300 is so different. You know, it's a it was a much more visual action styled um, 
you know, film, then this is going to be. So I don't know if that makes me, I guess it makes me feel comfortable that he's at least in tune to the comics. Yeah, that's, that's the point I was trying to make, that he, he, he did a, well, a, a good job translating, and I'm going by maybe he went through the comics and said, okay, you know what, this is what this is, and maybe that's what he's doing with Watchmen. Right. But, you know, a lot of people you know. were, were upset that, you know, a big story element in 300 is Stumblios um, as, was left yeah. out of the movie. Right. Well, honestly, as a, um, as a film major, I, I kind of am going to have to take Zack Snyder's side because you can't do everything in a movie. You know, not all comics can be translated 100% into film. You have to leave certain things out and put certain things in so that people who aren't into the comic can understand what's going on. Right. You know, because yeah, that's, that's what the movies, you know, the movies aren't made for us. I feel that the movies are made for the people who don't know about this so they can check it right. out. And then it won't happen to everyone, but I'm pretty sure like a good 40 to 50% will go, hmm, you know what, let me check out the comic. Let me check out where this came from. Yeah. Yeah, we've been saying yeah. for a while that they, they know they got our money. They're trying to rope yeah. it to the public. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, like, you know, kind of piggyback off what John said. I mean, they know the, you know, the fanboys and, and, and the people that are into this book are going to see it. That's, that's money in the bank that's a given. But you can't support this movie with, you know, with that many people. I mean, say, you know, I don't know, if, even if there's 500,000 people that have, you know, are into the book or read the book, even if it's a million, that's not going to translate into, you know, a $500 million global box office. So you've, you've got to, You've got to do something to, to give it to the masses. Um, and again, like you know, not to keep harping on the Dark Knight, but I think that's where the Dark Knight was a huge success. Spider-Man too, even Iron Man. Yeah. You know, Iron Man gave you the you know this is this is fun. This is a romp. You know, this is a big popcorn flick, and and it and it retains enough of that reality that people just don't see it as some silly you know thing that's beyond the the realm of comprehension. And with the Dark Knight, you have you know real drama um, and and solid writing, solid acting. And great performances, and uh, you know, if this continues on with that, you know, with that theme, then you're going to rope, you know, the the masses in. So, you know, if you have to change some things to make it happen, then you know, so be it. We were talking. Yeah. Um, we were talking in my my class. You know, I got a bunch of twelve and thirteen year olds. We were in class on a Friday, and you know, um, they saw that I had you know the forums up during lunch and stuff, and. Um, they said, "Oh, Watchmen! That looks like such a cool movie." And I looked at I looked at him and I said, "Do you even know what this is about?" And he said, uh, "No." And I'm like, "Well, you're in for it, you know." And I just think like that's crazy. And I I, I don't I don't think I got like defensive like, "What do you know about it, little boy?" But like, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like brilliant. Like they they got it. Do you know what I mean? Like they did their job. What you were saying earlier, man. Like they did their job. They got the people that aren't us interested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's a weird phenomenon that, you know, you know, this, this kid, you know, picked up on not only that, but made the connection from the logo that I had up on the screen to something he's never even read that I, I, I would hope when he's ready for it, he could. Yeah. Uh, you know, you won't be you taking your class on a field trip to, to see it, Adam. Uh no, we're we're gonna <laughs> have to cover all their eyes. When we we know minutes. we know my class isn't taking any field trips. <laughs> <laughs> if they are, they aren't you know, scheduled. <laughs> you know, one amazing thing that I that I love and I hope it happens is okay. 
Iron Man got everyone by surprise, but he's already an established character. Dark Knight got everyone by surprise. He's also an established character. I hope this will be one of the few, I would say, lesser-known comics that just gets out there because people need to know about it, you know? I, I hope it gets out there kind of like The Crow, uh, which I personally think it's one of my favorite comic book movies, you know, based on James Lombardi Crow. I hope that it gets that way. That way people go, oh, let me pick up this. I would call The Watchmen more like a BC-list type storyline as opposed to, you know, the big two, which are DC and Marvel. Um, like, you know, like Spider-Man or Batman or things of that matter. Right. You know, so I really hope it does well because it deserves to get out there. And, again, I mean, I'm, when I watch movies, I don't expect a full-blown translation. I just want the main idea, right, which is what you guys were discussing. How far is too serious? How far is too uh, cartoony, per se? And things like that. So hopefully Zack Snyder will find a balance to that. Yep, I think um, it's... That's what, do you guys, what do you guys think about the ending in the uh, New Frontiersman with uh, Seymour and the editor? I forget his name. The editor of the New Frontiersman. Because, John, you mentioned there will be blood. Have you guys seen, uh, I'm sure you guys have, No Country for Old Men? Yeah. Yeah. No. That, when, I, when, I left the, when I left the theater, um, first of all, I was like, okay, that was one of the most awesome movies ever. But everybody who was leaving was saying, that's it, that's it, that's it. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering with such a weirdo, secondary, tertiary character like Seymour, if that's where Snyder decides to leave it, right? If that's going to be in the Cheerios and ruin it for people because it's not a main character. You know what I mean? There's not like a – what do they call that? Like staccato. There's not like a really kind of like heart-wrenching moment of brilliant genius at, at the end. It's more like, oh my god, I have to think. I think, we, you know what? I think it would dumb. be. I, I think it would be great. And think about Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, leaving that crate in a warehouse and, and right. pulling away. I mean, hello, worth- spoiler alert. <laughs> Chris Beckett on the forums uh, made a good point. He had read in an interview somewhere with Alan Moore that he literally wanted to leave the end of the story in the person's hands, and that's why. Ended the book that way. That and with the line, yeah. you know, nothing ever ends, Adrian, because you know life doesn't really have endings. It just kind of keeps going on and on. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's what people may be worried about. If they said that the ending is going to be the ending we never suspect, that's going to cause a lot of problem with the brand boys. However, it, it depends on how he does it. I mean, hopefully, it's not an ending like I am Legend, where in the book, you know, it. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't read I Am Legend, you know, he killed himself because he was the last person on Earth and he was the monster to the so-called mutants or vampires. Whereas in the movie with Will Smith, another spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen this, at the end, yeah, he died, but they were still humans and they gave it the quote-unquote happy ending that Hollywood gives it. Right. So it, it's, it's perfect example. Different. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I hope that the ending is that instead of the guy eating the hamburger, he's eating a hot dog. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> hey, hey Ziggo, on that, on that, we're gonna say thanks, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move along. But thanks a lot for your support. Sure, it was good, sure, yeah. it was good meeting right. you at the con, man. You too, and thank you for having me on the show. And uh, keep rocking, guys. Yeah, no man. problem. Yeah, nice yeah, meeting man. you, thanks, sir. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Um, I think that's going to be it for the phone calls. Um, I know we have some thank yous to go through. 
Adam and Russ, you guys want to hit those up? Sure. Yeah. Well, we thought we'd just kind of throw out some shout-outs to the folks that have, you know, been, you know, either promoting our, our stuff um, throughout the, the, the Internet um, and, and just other sort of shout-outs from, from folks that have. So Adam and I kind of, kind of are splitting up the list here. So, um, so I, will, I will start out. Um, the, uh, so, so just a few of them to mention is the Ask Mr. Biggs podcast um, at www.askmrbiggs.com. Um, they were gracious enough to put some posts on their on his website um, and and hopefully bring us you know more listeners um, and and bring some stuff to us. Um, our one of our listeners, Max Headroom, um, aka Ryan, um, he mentioned uh, Legion of Dudes on Breitbart.com. I think they had a, a Watchmen article that they had posted up, and he 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 pimped out the show um, to um, for us. Um, listener, Mr. Winter, um, he sent a great email um, to us last week. Um, and we're looking for, and he's looking forward to the Kingdom Cup come episodes after Watchmen, which will be our next um, mass uh, master uh, maxi series. Um, Ken at Flick Podcast mentioned um, our Watchmen shows and Half Hour Wasted, so th- thanks to him. Um, yeah, Flick, Flick is such a great podcast. Um, if you're a film nerd like well most of us on here, um, I, I used to watch. Uh, excuse me, I used to listen to Film Spotting. But I, I've replaced film spotting with uh, Ken's podcast. It's great. And then we also have um, one of our listeners, Mr. Jesse Jackson, um, who who's left us many, many, many comments throughout our, our odyssey through the Watchmen. So, so big shout out and thank you to him. Um, and of course, um, last from my list, um, we want to give a shout out to Comic Book DB, um, who they've been um, linking um, our shows up off the Half Hour Wasted feed as a part of their Watchmen. Um, list. So if you go to comicbookdb.com and you look through the Watchmen uh, issues where they have all the summaries and the credits and the um, um, cover images and, and all that kind of stuff, um, they've also got links to our shows as well as uh, Comic Geek Speak because as you as most of you probably know, they've been they've been doing their rundowns of the Watchmen too. So big shout out to all those guys, and that's uh, that's all I have from my list. So Adam, if you wanna run down the rest um i want to say thanks to dave duanch uh super ugly uh grant and brian from the geek savants podcast uh geek savants <laughs> this is the best podcast that you're not listening to uh go over to the forums uh check the geek savants out on itunes and um uh, definitely check out the geek savants um once a week their episodes come out on sunday nights so uh, right before you listen to Brad and Frank, uh, give those guys a whirl. Um, I also want to thank everybody in the forums who participated in submitting questions for the Dave Gibbons interview that Jim scored. Um, we didn't take anyone's question word for word because we did kind of like amalgamate a lot of the questions together. So like, for example, we took Renee's question. We took a little bit of uh, Matthew Petz's, uh, a.k.a. Como Robots question. I also want to thank uh, Alexander B., a.k.a. Alec. Uh, check out Alec's um, podcast Teenage Wasteland, also on the forums. And, of course, Matthew Petz's site, MonsterIslandMedia.com. Matt's uh, taking uh, commissions right now. Uh, C. Gerard, of course, on the forums. Um, Our old friend Dan Kurtzke, a.k.a. Glenn from LanternCast. LanternCast is also available on iTunes. Um, If you are a Green Lantern uh, fan, nut, zealot like I am, definitely check that out. Um, thanks again to Luke, a.k.a. Crippled Avenger, who uh, submitted some questions. Eric, a.k.a. Mano, and also Mark, uh, a.k.a. Hellsfire, who is from the V for Vertigo 
podcast. You can find those guys at uh, vforvertigo.com. And ask, actually, um, thanks to everyone who's helped us out along the way, including uh, our different guests like Ed Pisker uh, at edpisker.com, Ralph Suhu at, from the Geeks Unite Network. Um, last episode, Paul French from Legion of Substitute Podcasters. And we cannot forget Norgi and Sensei Whatnot from the Raging Bullets uh, DC Fan Podcast. Uh, thanks to those those guys. Uh, I know I told uh, Jim and Sensei, uh, um, uh, or excuse me, Sean, <laughs> Sean and, and Jim, excuse me, uh, back at Super Show. Thanks for uh, helping us out. And I, I know the, those guys listen to our show, and it's it's always good to you know have that community back up with you. So um, thanks to those guys, and that's all that's on my list. Yeah, I got to. I got to meet. List, then you know, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet Sean and Jim at uh, New York Comic Con briefly, and they're as nice in person as they sound on the uh, on the show. And let's just uh, let's give Ziggo's Comic Tube a little shout out. Check out Absolutely. Comic Comic Tube podcast, and and check out Ken's um, Taku Too Old to Grow Up podcast. And of course, if by some way, shape, or form you're listening to the Legion of Dudes. And not listening to Half Hour Wasted, make sure you check out some of those shows. And um, as you may have heard by now, we're going to be one with Half Hour Wasted very soon, Friday the 13th, I believe. The, uh, yeah, the new website will open up. You can get it at halfhourwasted.com, legionofdudes.com, or hhwlod.com. So basically, we have the internet cornered. Anything you type in will send you to our site. Wow. It's all part of our diabolical plan to take over the world. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, this is it for the watch. Yeah, we'll, I can I can put the trade on the shelf now. Yeah, I think so. We gotta give we gotta for give now. out our homework assignment though, too, though, John. Um, here's what you need to read next. Um, John's got a one shot coming up. We're gonna go new school, and it's gonna be Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man Volume One. Um, we had some requests for that, and some of the guys were into it, so we're gonna check that out next as a one shot. Have we decided on our wild card show? For next time? Um, no. No. So it's a real wild card then. I'm the wild yeah. card. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so Invincible Iron Man by Matt Fraction. I'm going to be doing Ex Machina from Vertigo, Volume 1 Hardcover by Brian K. Vaughan. And then coming up, and I think we announced this on the Half Hour Wasted episodes uh, yesterday, was uh, Kingdom Come uh, by Alex Ross and Mark Wade. And then I've got uh, DC, the new front- uh, DC The New Frontier. Coming up, uh, Justice League: New Frontier. We'll be doing the movie and stuff too. So that's a that's an awful lot of reading for you turkeys out there. So get cracking. Yep, get on it. Was it as a break? Should we should we tease um, the movie that we're we're thinking of for our first movie episode? Yeah, go ahead. Maybe that's the wild card. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, for our first movie episode, we're gonna we're gonna pick one. You know, of course, nothing is easy for the Legion of Dudes. So we're seriously thinking about tearing into. Philip K. Dick and Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Ah, oh, you have yeah. to watch every version. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> one, one, one episode for each of the five versions. <laughs> yeah, the, the five disc Blu-ray is coming off the shelf, and and we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Sounds good. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, and you know we have more or less an open forum too. I mean, you guys have heard that you know Raph and Paul and everybody have been on the show. You know, Sean's been on the show. You guys called in tonight. So if you want in on an episode, you know, give us a call. Um, you know, Lenny's going to be on the Watchmen movie episode. So just send us an email at comments at legionofdudes.com, and we'll, we'd love to have you on. How about that? 
And if you want to check out some of our coverage of uh, New York Comic Con, check us out on legionofdudes.com. We're going to have some uh, video interviews and uh, other things that we uh, scored at the New York Comic Con this year. Yep. Yeah, but by the time this uh, this episode goes live on Thursday, um, the website will be live Friday. So so you know, come midnight on on February thirteenth, um, it'll be live. So you'll be able to check out all our cool stuff at the new site hhwlod.com, or just keep it simple. You can always just type in legionofdudes.com, and it'll take you right there. All right, guys, nice job, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to everybody real soon. Yeah. Take care. That's awesome. Thanks, Good guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Springfield. There will be no encore. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>